Chapter 28, Finn. Finn swiveled his head toward the loud voice. A figure loomed in the doorway of the house they'd just left. They open, the open doorway. Miss Morales, he cried, running back toward her. You found us and you unlocked the door. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw the boys they'd been taking, talking to take off running as if they were terrified of Natalie's mother or maybe of any adult. A grown-up, a mom, she'll fix everything, Finn thought. All she had to do was show up to get rid of those scary boys. But Miss Morales' face was like a storm cloud. Natalie, I asked you to explain. Stop it, Mom, Natalie yelled back. Why do you always think everything is my fault? Because I left you in charge, Miss Morales said. You were supposed to only go into the house into one house, the Greystone, and visit a cat for five minutes, five or 10 minutes, and let me know immediately if there was any problem. And then you don't answer your phone and nobody answers the door when I go in after half an hour. Make sure you guys are muted for me. And I find you've led the kids through some secret tunnel and trespassed in an empty house and Lord only knows who it belongs to and a chew. She stopped seeming quite so fierce when her first sneeze was followed by six more. Rocket, Finn burst out because he saw the cat rubbing against Miss Morales' ankles in her high-heeled shoes. Get him! Achoo! Away from me! Miss Morales commanded. Finn stepped back into the empty house and scooped up Rocket. He held the cat off to the side. Away from Miss Morales. I will, I will, Finn promised. But listen, nothing about the empty house was Natalie's fault. We, I saw four sets of footprints in the dust, Miss Morales huffed, of varying sizes. Don't you try to lie and pretend you weren't there. No, I mean, yes, we were there, Finn said. But it was my fault. I'm the one who led everyone else through the empty house. And I'm the one who didn't want to go back through the, the uh, tunnel, Emma admitted right behind them. And I opened the door to the tunnel, Chess said, stepping up onto the porch with Emma. Only Natalie was still out by the street, peering off into the distance. Natalie, if you go chasing after those boys, so help me out, Miss Morales began. I'm coming, I'm coming, Natalie grumbled, turning toward the house. Miss Morales looked down at the cat in Finn's arms. Rocket waved his paws, struggling to be put down. Your cat might run away if we take an outdoor route back to your house, right? Miss Morales asked Finn, her voice a little gentler than it had been when she was yelling at Natalie. Maybe, Mom said. Mom says cats can think for themselves. They do whatever they want. Miss Morales sniffed. All right, quick, she said. Everyone back in the house and we'll go back through the basement tunnel, but don't touch anything. You didn't damage anything already, did you? What's there to damage? Natalie asked, catching up to the others. Miss Morales didn't answer, but as soon as everyone was back in the house, she slammed the door hard. They all made a silent procession back toward the basement stairs, except for Miss Morales sneezing twice more and complaining mostly to herself. How, how could anybody sell a house like this with the stench everywhere? Ben realized that the bad smell he noticed in the secret room wasn't just there. It was in this house and out in the yard, too. He'd just kind of gotten used to it. It's like something dead and rotting mixed with lots of dirty stuff. And the words that came to his head were, and with something evil. 
But Finn didn't like those words, not when Mom was already away and Miss Morales was mad at Natalie. You were really smart to find us, he said to Miss Morales, because sometimes when Mom was mad, it cheered her up to hear a compliment. We really didn't know where we'd ended up. Someone keeps unmuting their microphone. I'm not sure who it is. Can you guys try to make sure you stay muted, please? That's okay. That's all right. Now, I'm just trying to find my spot. I just wasn't sure what was going on. You're fine. Thank the cat, not me, Miss Morales said stiffly. I followed him. They all climbed back down the stairs and went into the little room that was shut off from the rest of the basement, the same way the boring room was in the Greystone's basement. Did um the tunnel spin when you went through it? Emma asked Miss Morales. Spin? Of course not. But I could hardly see anything. I had to use the flashlight on my phone. See? She switched it back on as they ducked back into the secret room or the panic room or the tunnel. Finn wasn't sure what to call it now. Behind them, Chess switched off the lights in the empty basement. Somehow the lights had been, that had been on before in the secret room were gone now, so Miss Morales' phone flashlight was the only glow around them. Finn stepped a little closer to her. At least your phone works, Natalie said sulkily. Mine completely blanked out. Honest, I didn't hear you call, not once. Really, Natalie? Really? Miss Morales said. Try your flashlight. I bet your phone is working now. There's a B, sorry. I bet your phone is working now. A light sprang on behind Finn. Uh-huh, Miss Morales said. You never believe anything I tell you, Natalie accused, even when I'm telling the truth. So you're admitting that sometimes you lie, Miss Morales said. How am I supposed to know the difference? Finn wasn't used to being around kids fighting with their parents or anybody really, or really anybody fighting. Rocket doesn't like hearing people yell, he said, and it was very weird how injured his voice sounded. Sorry, Finn, Miss Morales said. She patted his shoulder and made her voice soft and gentle. What would you like for dinner tonight? Mac and cheese, maybe? But Finn saw the look Miss Morales shot Natalie. Even in the dim glow of the flashlights, he saw the look Emma, Emma and Chess exchanged. It felt like everyone was keeping secrets from him. Oh. You're gonna have to go inside. Charlie. My dog is eating weeds. I'm sorry. She's very ornery today. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 29. This doesn't make Emma. Sorry. Chapter 29, Emma. This doesn't make any sense, Emma thought, silently trudging behind Finn and Miss Morales. The secret room that had spun them around and somehow joined the Greystones basement with the mysterious house really didn't feel like did feel more like a tunnel now. Emma started counting her steps as soon as they entered the tunnel. Right after Chess pulled the door to the empty house's basement shut tight behind them. She made it up. She made it up to 32. Then she lost count because she started distractedly thinking. Surely we didn't walk 32 steps before. Surely there wasn't that much distance between our basement and the empty house. Surely the secret room didn't spin us that far forward when I didn't even feel like we were moving at all. It wasn't like Emma to lose count of anything, but there was almost a haze in the air. 
as if the overcast about to storm sensation from outside had seeped down into the tunnel as well. It felt like it had seeped into her mind too. Why did it seem like there weren't even shelves lining the walls anymore? Science, math, facts, logic, Emma told herself. Fact, walking in the narrow glow from a flashlight or even two flashlights had the effect of making everything outside that glow seem eerie. Walking with a flashlight worked that way anywhere. If nothing else, it made everything outside the flashlight glow hard to see. Fact, Emma, Chess, Finn, and Natalie hadn't exactly explored the secret room thoroughly before Natalie hit the lever. The room spun and then they fled into the empty house. So there might be huge sections of the secret room that they hadn't seen. Some of those sections might not have had shelves. Maybe there had been a bend in the room, an entire corner that they hadn't even seen. So why were they turning? Why weren't they turning any corners now? They reached the half doorway that led back into the boring room. As Finn, Miss Morales, and Natalie ducked underneath, under and stepped through, Emma caught a glimpse of Mom's desk. It was all Emma could do not to run over and throw her arms over the desk because it was finally something familiar, something she recognized. The desk was there. Mom wasn't. Emma didn't hug the desk. Mom, we're going to figure all this out and find you, Emma thought, as if she really believed she could communicate with her mother telepathically. Don't worry. We are. Don't worry. Emma caught up to Miss to Natalie. Miss Morales and Finn were already out of the room, headed for the basement stairs. Still a few steps behind. 10 o'clock tonight, Emma whispered to Natalie. Same place? Natalie gave a sharp nod. Absolutely, she said. She narrowed her eyes. We've got a lot more to look up and figure out. Chapter 30, Chess. Would you mind helping your brother and sister do their homework? Miss Morales asked Chess as soon as they got back to her house. Natalie and I need to have a little talk. Uh, sure, Chess said. Ben and Emma did not need his help with homework. Sometimes when Chess was stuck on a math problem, Emma helped him. But Finn, Emma, and Chess all plopped their backpacks down beside the huge table in the kitchen, beginning to take out folders and books. Miss Morales held onto Natalie's arm and steered her past them toward her office. Seriously, Mom? Chess heard Natalie grumble. Are you sure you don't want to put me in handcuffs, too? Behind Miss Morales' back, Emma gave Natalie a thumbs up and made a zipper motion across her lips. As soon as Natalie and Miss Morales were in the office and Miss Morales shut the door, Emma scampered after them. The office is soundproof, remember? Chess called softly. It's not going to work to press your ear against the door. Besides, you'll get caught. Emma's shoulders sagged and she stopped following. But I want to know everything, she complained, slouching back toward the table. Can we really trust Natalie? Did mom tell Miss Morales anything she's not telling us? Has Miss Morales heard anything new from mom besides those stupid automatic texts? I trust Natalie, Finn announced, his pen hovering a worksheet over a worksheet. And Miss Morales, too. They're nice. Finn would probably think a murderer was nice. Or was it that even a murderer would be nice to Finn? Chess patted the back pocket of his jeans. Natalie gave me something, he said slowly. He wasn't sure what to do. In the car, she said it was in case her mom is so mad she sends Natalie to her dad's and Natalie doesn't get the chance to say goodbye or to see us again at all. But I think maybe, maybe, just tell us what you're talking about, Emma demanded. She put her hands on her hips and whipped her hair over her shoulders, sort of like Natalie always did. Chess dug out a pair of wireless earbuds and held them up for Finn and Emma to see. Natalie wants you to listen to music, Finn asked. 
No, Chess said. He pushed his hand a little deeper into his pocket and pulled out the other object Natalie had given him. A phone. She said her mom keeps burner phones around just well in case any just in case someone needs them. So she gave me one and she wants she said she'd set hers to call me if there's something she wants us to overhear. And with these earbuds, the earbuds means she'll call you and we can listen secretly without Miss Morales knowing Emma's eyes lit up. Ooh, I like Natalie too. I like the way her brain works. But is Natalie really trying to help us or just trying to get us back at her mom? Chess wondered. Is it really a good idea for us to hear whatever Miss Morales is going to tell Natalie? Still, he handed one of the earbuds to Emma. He stuck the other in his own ear. None for me, Finn said, making a pouty face. Sorry, Finny, Chess said. There are only two. Anyhow. I know, I know, Finn said. I'm too young. It might scare me. Don't you know I'm brave? Don't you know I want to help get mom back just as much as you and Emma do? It hurt the way he said that, as if he'd already grown up too much. Already Finn had changed from the eager, bouncy, silly boy he'd been two days ago. Even his face seemed less rounded and babyish, his cheekbones more noticeable than his dimples. You're imagining things, Chess told himself. He wanted to tell Finn, don't think I'm babying you. I'm not even sure I'm old enough to deal with all this. But he just said, sorry, and ruffled his brother's hair. Then he held the finger to his lips because the phone in his hand began vibrating. He hit the button to answer and he heard a burst of sound from the earbud. At first, it was just an indistinct noise, but he twisted the earbud slightly in his ear and then he could make out the words. But I didn't do anything wrong, Natalie was protesting to her mother. Her phone was probably buried in her pocket, but set on the speaker function. That was why everything sounded so muffled. Chess double-checked to make sure he had the phone in his own handset to mute any noise he, Emma, or Finn might make. Natalie, you know every woman I help is someone in a dangerous situation, Miss Morales said. That means we need to be extra cautious about... Chess hoped Emily was listening carefully to what to hear what they needed to be extra cautious about because he blinked out for a moment. So even Miss Morales realizes Mama's in danger? Then he remembered what Natalie had said the day before, thinking that Mom was running away from a dangerous boyfriend. That was probably all Miss Morales meant. Chess knew she was wrong about that danger. I trusted you to help these kids, to be aware of the issues they wouldn't understand. And this is what you do? Sneak away to a dangerous area to meet up with a bunch of older boys? Miss Morales was asking. Mom, I did not walk through that other house just to go meet those boys, Natalie said. And even through the earbud, Chess could tell she was gritting her teeth. I wasn't looking for them. They said hi. I said hi. It was a one-minute conversation. I don't even know them. Chess noticed that she didn't tell her mom that the boys had known her, that they'd called her by her name. And you had little kids watching you. Were you trying to show the Greystone kids that it's okay to talk to strangers? Miss Morales asked. Mom, it wasn't like that, Natalie protested. We were lost. My phone wouldn't work. We, and it never once occurred to you to just turn around and walk back through the tunnel to the Greystone's house. Miss Morales, Miss Morales asked, her voice rising with incredulity. Incredulous means like surprise. And so that has to, incredulity, I don't know. I've never heard that word, but it has to do with incredulous. Mom, that tunnel wasn't, the secret room wasn't, did you know Mrs. Greystone had that secret place? 
whatever it was attached to the basement of her house. At first, I thought it was just a panic room, but didn't it seem really weird to you? Natalie asked. People have panic rooms all of the time, Miss Morales said stiffly. There are houses I've driven by for years, and I didn't know they had panic rooms until the owner listed the house to sell. And those panic rooms you've seen, are they like the one the Greystones have? Natalie asked, her voice rising. Are they constructed to a completely different house on a completely different street? Well, no, not that I've ever seen before, Miss Morales admitted. How well do you even know Miss Greystone? Natalie challenged, and Chess felt like that something had changed. Now it was Natalie interrogating Miss Morales, not Miss Morales interrogating Natalie. Good for you, Natalie, Chess thought, even as he listened more intently. How well do I know? Mrs. Greystone was in PTO with me for years, Mrs. Morales said. She was always quiet, but she was one of those people who, if she volunteered to do something, she did it. One time, and the right way. On time and the right way. And she didn't complain about it or ask a million questions that were so annoying. I started wishing I'd just taken care of everything myself. Chess felt a little proud of his mom. And that was enough for to make you volunteer to take care of her kids for who knows how long? Natalie challenged. Didn't you ever think that she might be tangled up in something really strange and awful? And yes, I did think that she might be tangled up in something really strange and awful, Miss Morales countered. And that's why I offered to help, because I don't think something it's something that's her fault at all. I pray you never learn this directly for yourself, little Miss Superior. But lots of times people, especially women, get caught up in awful situations they didn't cause that they need help getting out of. Think about it. Why would I help someone who doesn't need it? Mom, I put up with you inviting all sorts of people into her house. People you trust because they're women and children, Natalie said. There was the kid who broke my laptop, the one who stole my favorite jeans. That you might have lost yourself, Miss Morales interrupted. Natalie just kept talking. And you know that woman who cried all the time? She had good reasons to cry, Miss Morales said, her voice tense. Don't you think that the Greystone kids are different than the others we've had here? Natalie asked. Not as scared all of the time, maybe? Chess thought about the careful way Miss Morales had shepherded three of them through the school parking lot, as if she were hiding them from some unknown danger, as if they were supposed to understand. He hadn't been scared then, but he was now. Some people hide better th hide things better than others, Miss Morales said. I wouldn't have pegged Kate Greystone as the type to get involved with a dangerous man either, but there was always something about Kate, something mysterious she, and sad. She never talked about her husband or her past. See, Mom, not everyone goes around telling anyone who will listen what a scumbag their husband used to be, Natalie said. You should learn from that. And Natalie Kate Gray, Natalie, Kate Greystone isn't divorced, Miss Morales said. Her husband died years ago before they moved here. Moved? The word caught oddly in Chess's brain. Everything had changed after dad died. There'd been a period of time when it felt like the sun burned out, like nothing Chess ate had any flavor, like he spent weeks doing nothing but lying on his bed, staring up at his ceiling. One morning, he'd awakened, and the ceiling he opened his eyes to was different, smooth and white and peaceful, instead of swirled and shadowed and cobwebbed. And he got up, and he remembered going to find Mom and hearing her explanation. Do you like our new house? I didn't want to disturb you kids more than any, more than I had to. So I brought you here while you were sleeping, 
Do you like your new furniture? Everything is new. It's a new start, I promise. We'll be happy here. Everything will be better. Had Chess been too busy thinking nothing could be better without dad to ask any questions or to listen to anything else mom said that day? Chess's mind started working strangely, thinking about anything from the time surrounding dad's death. Maybe it was just because he'd only been four. Maybe it was because mom never talked about certain memories. Maybe he'd been too sad to remember everything. But Chess was pretty sure they'd just moved from one house to another, not from one town to another. So why did Miss Morales make it sound like we moved from an entirely different place? Now that he thought about it, wasn't it weird that mom had moved them in the middle of the night without warning them ahead of time? Or that mom had, or had mom warned them and Chess didn't remember? I don't, don't forget anything, mom had told him just a few days ago practically the last word she'd spoken to him before she had vanished. But what if he'd already forgotten something important? What if he hadn't remembered what he was supposed to from the very beginning?